0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatio, joined by my good buddy, Harris Kermani, here to break down this wonderful Monday, March 21st slate. I mean, looks like it's going to be a, a fun one, Harris. I mean, after I just got bounced out of playoffs uh, in my one of my main leagues that you are in as well, uh, I need some fun, man. So we have nine games to talk about, but how are you, my friend?
1: Yeah, I mean, you lasted one week longer than I've done in pretty much most of my leagues, given that my drafting strategy just happened to all revolve around guys that pretty much left the season for me. So, yeah, uh, I know the feeling, not my most productive year as far as fantasy is concerned, but uh, DFS hasn't been bad, so let's see if we can keep that train rolling at least.
0: Well, that's exactly it, man. DFS is here every day, so despite me having, you know, too much Shea, Brogdon, and I I don't want to sit here and make the injury and the the rest excuses, but I'm going to, (laughs) I got to fall back. (laughs) No, no, in all honesty, uh, I had a good year, man. It was fun. Uh, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be here is what I, what I said, you know, I had one point, maybe six guys hurt and I was clinching, uh, clinging to the life of playoffs and had to drop good players just to stream and, and do some things and I ended up making it. But, uh, the writing was on the wall. The writing was – I did lose to what I think is the best team in the playoffs. Uh Seeding did not go my way. But like you said, man, we got some DFS to talk about. We have nine games. Before we jump into anything, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy, guys. Come prop up over on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. So Thrive, we eliminate the countless hours of research, focus only on the top-tier athletes, that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup. Each props assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. When you sign up, use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and receive an instant first deposit 100% on up to $100. Fantastic. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. All right, my friend, first game of the night, we have the New Orleans Pelicans traveling to Charlotte, taking on the Hornets for this one. The Hornets, Gordon Hayward, remains out. Pelicans, second half of back-to-back, so there is not an injury report for them. We'll go check out Vegas, uh, see what they got going on over here. Two thirty-three and a half game total, Hornets favored by six and a half points. I will pass it over to you to start with the Pelicans.
1: I said Hornets, huh? Uh, Yeah, there we go. That was all right. Yeah, no worries. We can definitely start with the Pelicans. They are the visiting team on here and really – much of what we've been seeing up until now is exactly what we're going to get with the Pelicans. Just today, they're coming off a of back-to-back, and you know exactly what's happening with Brandon Ingram, still listed questionable on this one. So we'll see if he actually ends up uh, coming and playing for this one after being ruled out with the hamstring earlier for this Sunday game. But C.J. McCollum ends up becoming their major point guard, and really he's just been thriving in that role up until now. Ninety-two hundred is a pretty fair price for what he's been doing. I mean, even today, twenty-five, four, and eight. So not as much upside in that, and not necessarily an area where I have nearly as much interest, but it's always <clears throat> Jonas Valentin is where I look in. Now he didn't have a great game the first time around against Charlotte, and Charlotte isn't necessarily the biggest front court team or in terms of really pushing a lot in that front court. So you always have that worry whether JV can necessarily stay on the floor for thirty minutes in a game. But really in this kind of a matchup, if he can get his himself going early and they're going to be forced to go bigger with a Mason Plumlee on that side or a Montrez Harrell coming in earlier to try and deal with it. That's only going to be better for Valanchunas because in the end, as long as he's getting the minutes, much like he got today, amazing 26-12 and game. I called it against Capella. He absolutely dominates, and he also dominates Montrezl Harrell. So if he can get him on the other end to be able to go ahead and match up against him, I'm really excited to go ahead and take that matchup because the rest of these guys, outside of Jackson Hayes, who I found myself taking from time to time, and I like that kind of mid-5,000 price tag for a guy who's pretty much locked in. kind of that mid 30 minutes roll for him the rest of them are just kind of hit and miss Herb Jones is very fairly priced Najee Marshall is fairly priced so I never really find myself liking too much and there's other options other than Alvarado even though he'd probably be my other uh, you know dart throw as far as New Orleans is concerned
0: yeah I think Hayes is probably the number one guy I'm looking at if I I mean I love Marshall's game whenever I know he's going to be playing significant minutes he's a guy that I always uh, you know, get some shares of. He's usually cheaper, but obviously, you know, granted, Ingram's been out for a while. The price tag's starting to get up to where it should be. Uh, he's somebody I would consider as well, like you said, but I don't know if there's a ton of meat left on the bone in this one. Uh, but it is a good matchup for him. Even if he's playing mid to high 20s, I, I would definitely think he warrants a look. But those are the two main guys I had interest into. Uh, on the Charlotte side of the ball, it's gonna be the same major players that I've been pretty much targeting all season long. Uh, LaMelo's price tag's starting to get closer to that 9k mark. So whenever that happens, uh, you know, I take a look at Rozier's, and if the discount warrants it, which in this case I think it does, it's a great matchup for both these guys, $8,200 for Rozier. I prefer him over LaMelo uh, ever so slightly by $600 difference. He put up about 47 DK points on this team earlier in the year, so uh, he's probably my main key focus. And then I think Bridges uh, at AK is always an option, too. I think you say it all the time as well. Uh, when we're considering LaMelo, you have to consider Bridges. These two guys are just great, you know, court-running mates uh, but those are the three that I have interested. In. I'm not really crazy about a ton of the value over here. I mean, PJ Washington at 5200. The minutes have been a little up and down, uh, but at 5200, it's it's a fair enough price tag. I just don't think that he's going to be shipping you any GPPs. If you want to look at him in cash game, sure, why not? I just don't think that he has quite that 40 point upside um, like we're used to seeing when he has like yeah the high 20s, the 30s. Uh, we haven't been seeing much of that upside from pretty much all season long. And then I wouldn't sleep on, like, Plumley and Harrell just because they're going to need as much size as they can going against Jonas, but in that Jackson Hayes front court. Uh, which do I have a preferred option between those two? Uh, it's probably going to be Plumley just because I think that, you know, when he's given the minutes, it's, it's pretty, you know, consistent uh, around that 30 DK point mark as long as he's getting close to 30 minutes. So, A little recap Plumlee, Rosier, and then Bridges are probably my three favorite plays.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys up at the top over there. But as you said, that 5,000 range of areas probably where a little bit more consistency can come in. I don't necessarily like PJ Washington all that much, but at 5,200, as you said, it's just a great price tag to be able to get him in. But if I'm looking to actually gamble on that upside, it's always going to be with Montrose Harrell for me. We know that he's just an amazing points-per-minute producer. His minutes have been, as you said, up and down. He hasn't really gotten past that 23-minute mark for the last, let's say, eight, nine games now, which obviously is a little bit concerning. But really, all Montrez needs to do is get a little bit of energy going, and he'll often find himself being able to beat most of these cheaper price tags just by the fact that he'll get so many points per minutes by all the rebounds and points he'll get just attacking the paint. So if I'm gambling between uh, Washington or Harrell, I'll probably lean towards Harrell. But beyond that, uh, you know, the Lamero, LaMelo, Rogier Bridges, that top area over there, if other things don't work out, I probably do find myself looking into them just because of the fact that this is the highest game total of the night. So we'll have to see how the rest of my lineups end up working out as far as exposure is concerned. But as always, I end up taking Rogier on the chin and I end up taking LaMelo more often, but we'll see how that happens to pan out for me today.
0: All right, we'll move on to the uh, the next 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Los Angeles Lakers traveling to Cleveland, taking on the Cavs. For the Cavs, Jared Allen, Rajon Rondo, Collins, Sexton, and Dean Wade all rolled out. And then for the Lakers, it continues to be Anthony Davis, Kendrick Nunn, Mason Jones, LeBron James is questionable along with Wayne Ellington, and then Winyan Gabriel and Taylor Horton Tucker are probable. This game's coming in at a 223 and a half game total. The Cavs being favored by six and a half points. I will pass it over to you, talk about the Lakers and LeBron James returning to Cleveland.
1: Yeah, LeBron James is just on a tour to be able to do everything as far as the season's concerned, got himself up to second highest all time scorer, which is awesome achievement, obviously, and has now come on the back of two incredible games, including that Heartbreaker in Toronto, ridiculous, all the way through, and even Westbrook has come back to life in that time. So really that's where If we're thinking about where we may potentially want to be looking at, of course, LeBron at 11.6 is never out of question. He's getting to a price tag where you basically need him to drop 60 for you to feel comfortable with it. And well, given the fact that this is his homecoming, he always saves something special for Cleveland themselves. I wouldn't put it past them to be able to go ahead and get that 5X plus on it. But it's really between that. I actually do think Westbrook has more meat on his bone based on his price tag. It was always just a matter of time for me as to when he'd get himself back on track. And for two games straight, he's done that now at 50 DK points. It's not necessarily that you want to be chasing the DK points itself, but it's more just how Westbrook has played. He just is one of those where he's clearly decided that, you know, forget everything else. I'm just going to go and play my game and be exactly what I have been up until now, which has been an hustler through and through. And he's starting to get that back and kind of everything else falls into play for him. So I actually may find myself having a little bit more Westbrook other than LeBron in this one, and we'll see how that works out. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. I'm
0: pretty much on the opposite side of it. Um, I'm not going to fault you for playing Westbrook. Like you said, he, he the near triple double stats is what we're looking for whenever we're paying that price tag and looking at Westbrook. Um, I just like the sense of security with LeBron James. The price tag is where it should be, you know, moved into the second leading scorer role, like you just said. And then on top of it, playing Cleveland. So little narrative there. It's in Cleveland. Uh, I, I just think this Laker team, I mean, now I believe the, you know, Barring the standings and what happens tonight, they're tied with the Pelicans for that nine seed uh, for the playing game. They're just going to continue to need to run as much as they can through LeBron James. So, granted, I get it. Westbrook's playing much better. Um I haven't played. I think the only times i played him is when LeBron sat, and even then it didn't work out for me. So, it's one of those situations where if he just goes out there and starts Westbrooking it, it, no pun intended, I didn't mean to do that, Uh Westbrooking it. Uh, then I'll take that one. I'll take, I hope he's not listening, man. He'll be pissed. Uh, I'll take that one off the chin. Uh, that's all I'm looking at over there for the Lakers would be LeBron. Uh, and then for Cleveland. I mean, this is just a fantastic matchup for everybody. I mean, it's, it's very similar to just at this point, a team going against the Rockets is the way I look at a team going against the Lakers. Uh, that Garland price tag, it's 9-3. It's expensive. It's up there. So I probably won't be paying that one. I think that we have other guard value that we can look to. Uh, but I do want to look at like a little bit of the front court. Queen Mobley. I'm probably not going to be playing marketing as much in this uh, matchup. I had a ton of him uh, in that last one. And let me just tell you, didn't feel good. It it, it really did. not I I had so much of, uh, and I got burned heavily. So I would be probably looking at Mobley the most part. I think Kevin Love's in a good spot here too at 6,200. If you want to look at him in tournaments, not somebody that we could really trust in cash, but I'll leave my, uh, I play to those two guys. And then I definitely want to keep an eye on Levert because I know that we saw little rumblings that his minutes restriction may be lifted by Monday. And if we get the news that it is lifted, he's should be play, able to play at least 30 minutes at 6,100. I will have plenty of shares of him in this matchup. I think this could be easily a 35 uh, to a 40 DK point game for him if he's playing 30 plus minutes. So uh, Mobley, Levert, and then maybe a share or two of Kevin Love and Largefield GPPs.
1: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, Levert was – The main guy I was looking at as well, and it was purely because, hey, he finally got up to 29 minutes in that Denver game. Yes, it went uh, back into that 24 range against Detroit. But really, as long as he's getting into that kind of regular minutes rotation, we'll find out, as you said, more going into the game. I do expect this to be one of those games where he can get right. If there's an, an opposition, a defense that a guard can really feast against, it has been this Lakers team all year long. So for Levert to be at that price tag, we've seen him have consistently that 40 DK point upside as long as he's getting his shots to go, which really from an offensive standpoint, he's looked fine. Uh, the shots have been good. they just haven't been going in, just literally watching. He's had a number of them roll out on him. And really it's just a matter of seeing one or two go down for him to really get back onto the horse. And for him to have a couple of bad games going into this is probably going to make his ownership a little bit low as well, which is really what you're looking for in a GPP situation.
0: All right, we'll move on to the next game. We have Portland traveling to Detroit, taking on the Pistons. Uh, for the Pistons, Diallo, Jeremy Grant, Frank Jackson, Chris Smith, all ruled out. Kelly Olenek, Corey Joseph are both questionable. And then Killian Hayes is probable. And then no injury report for the Blazers, second half of the back-to-back for them. 223.5 game total. The Pistons are favored by 7.5 points. That's something that you'll say very often. Uh, but part of the tankathon continues. Uh, we kind of saw, I think it was, what was it? Detroit versus Orlando, where they just started just sitting everybody and the next game. Everybody's good to go. Uh, I think that's kind of what Detroit's doing here by sitting grant, uh, <laughs> after he's coming off of a 40 point actual game, but I will pass it over to you to talk about these blazers.
1: Yeah. And this may be the battle of the two most, or two least talented squads in terms of what's actually coming on the court at this moment right now, especially with all the, uh, with the injury, uh, That Portland is facing. And of course, I mean, Detroit really just has Cade and not much else. So, not going to be one to watch. But as far as DFS is concerned, there is a lot to potentially look at. Uh, First and foremost, as far as Portland's concerned, I'm kind of not going to back away from Josh Hart anymore. As I mentioned on the last podcast as well, it's clear that he's starting to relish this idea of being that first option on an offense where really no one else can be truly relied on to be able to get you. Uh, buckets on a consistent basis. There's just plain and simple, not enough shot-making talent that we're seeing on the Portland Trailblazers. And Josh Hart, regardless of how everything works out, he's going to be playing that 30, 35 minutes. He's their best defender at this moment as well. So it's just a great uh, position for him to be in from a kind of personal stat-stuffing standpoint. So why not take part of that? So for 8,000, I mean, while there are other guards that we've talked about, you know, we talked about Rozier earlier, you talked about potentially Lamello earlier than that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say that Josh Hart is in a position where he has absolutely nothing but the greenest of green lights. No one else is gonna question what shots he's taking, so I'm down to go ahead and take him. And then beyond that, I've always looked at kind of that trifecta of Watford, Brandon Williams, and Eubanks. Uh, Brandon Williams is probably where I have more of my uh, more of my focus just in general as that starting point guard for them as a guy that's going to be getting whatever minutes that he can get he is coming off a mediocre game uh, today against indiana while on the other hand you know, Trenton and watford actually did play quite well but really it's been a lot more focus on brand williams itself and i think that that 6600 price tag is about as high as i would want to pay for him if i am looking at the matchup itself but i do believe that he has that upside to be able to get into that high 30s as well so definitely something to keep in mind
0: Yep, I'm right there with you when it comes to Josh Hart. I absolutely, uh, I love him. I think that AK price tag is perfect. Uh, actually, it should probably be like 83. Uh, but I was off, I was off him when he was getting priced at 86 and 88. Uh, what was it earlier in the week or last week? So, uh, you know, this is a price tag I can stomach. It's a fantastic matchup for him. You know, both these defenses are pretty, uh, pretty bad. Uh, and this feels like it has one of those higher rebounding upside games in, in there for him too. I think he, he grabbed like 13 boards on him earlier in the season. So, uh, anytime you can just couple that with the usage that he's having, uh, highest usage of his career, like you said. Yeah, we're going to like that AK price tag. And then I also wanted to talk about uh, Chris Dunn, uh, 3,800. I think he comes into play as a decent value play. Uh, he's now, it's a back-to-back, so we kind of have to see what they do. He's yet to play a back-to-back yet this season. But if he's good to go, I mean, the dude's been playing mid-20s minutes pretty much consistently, and over the past three games, he's had nothing less than about 24.5 DK points, upside of you know, 31 like he showed today. Uh, nine assists. He's always good for two st- two steals. I feel like it's just a lock for him. Uh, so if you find a prop bet that says like one and a half, I'd probably take the over. But 3,800 is just a nice value price tag. And I think that's kind of the reason why I'm not as in on Brandon Williams is because they are kind of just playing these guys, you know, split minutes almost at this point uh, on top of the fact that they still have other guards like LLB, uh Keon Johnson, Josh Hart. He could play a little bit of a point himself here and there. Where if we're not gonna get the consistent minutes that we could trust from Brandon Williams at the at the sixty six hundred dollar price tag, I don't want to pay it. And I I'm not saying that we won't, uh, but I think that Chris Dunn at a much, much cheaper salary, if he's gonna play almost you know the same workload, sign me up for that instead. But again, it's something that we have to monitor because it is a back to back and we've yet to see him play a back to back yet this season. I don't know if they're gonna arrest him, limit him, what the situation might be, but definitely somebody I have some interest in. Uh and then on the other side of the ball. I mean, it's just going to be probably our usual suspects with Grant out. I think we go back to the well here at Marvin Bagley, 5,900. There's no reason why he should not just start and give us about 30 to 35 DK points in this one. Um, I think that he's probably my favorite option over here. I don't mind looking at Sadiq Bey anytime that we know, like, Grant or Cunningham's going to be out. He always gets a nice little uptick in usage. I don't expect him to have the 51 actual point game like he had against Orlando. Uh, But we're talking about back-to-back games with at least 40 and in that last one, that was with Grant scoring 40. So 7,100 isn't my favorite of price tags, but if you wanted an option, I think he finishes as the highest scorer in this game, uh, actual scoring points. I think he's got a very good chance of doing that. Sure, why not? And I don't think I'll end up landing on Cade, 8,400. He's worth it, don't get me wrong, but like you just said, we have other options. I prefer Rozier, I prefer Hart, and that's only three games in that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's too, too much to add on that. That being said, I do kind of always keep an eye out on Isaiah Livers. I do think he'll get back to his, uh, minutes rotation that he was seeing even a couple of games back. And that was with Jeremy Grant in, in as well, because he has the capability to be able to play that three, four combo. So at 3200, if it's, uh, if there's any sort of rumblings that either he may get an opportunity to start or you know, if he's, uh, going to be getting a couple more minutes coming his way, he's always in play for me at his price.
0: All right, We'll keep it moving to the next game. We have Utah traveling to Brooklyn uh, for the Nets. Aldridge, the uh, report came out that he's going to miss at least another week. David Ju- Duke Jr. is in the G League. Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving both out. Ben Simmons remains out as well. Uh Jazz do not have an injury report. Got to keep an eye on them. Uh Second half of a back-to-back. But we saw Conley sat out. It was mostly due to the maintenance reasons and it being a back-to-back. So he should be good to go in this one on the second end of it. Uh, and then we have to keep an eye on Bogdanovich, who the calf has been bothering him some. So he sat out Sunday as well. I will pass it over to you to talk about the, oh, hold on, my fault. Uh, we gotta get the game line. 229.5, Brooklyn being favored by 1.5 points.
1: Yeah, and this is set to be the closest game as far as Vegas is concerned for the entire slate. So definitely adds that little bit of interest in, in terms of the stars for these games. I mean, Just as I spoke about on the last podcast as well, I just think Rudy Gobert, plain and simple, is just far too underpriced for any sort of competitive game to be able to go ahead and put him out. So if he's below 8,000, I mean, yes, he didn't get that big double-double today, but he was still able to drop four blocks alongside a 14 and 9. And you know that on the Brooklyn side where they really don't have much in the, in the space of size in terms of going up forward other than Andre Drummond. And really, there's only so much Andre Drummond can be able to do to actually stand up with Rudy Gobert. And I really like his opportunities to be able to have another big rebounding game up against these Brooklyn Nets. So he's definitely the main guy that I'm looking at. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, as expected into, in New York came in and just absolutely lit it up. 36, 8 and 6. But it is a back to back for him as well. And uh, he himself has been Kind of dealing with his own uh, calf issues as well. So we'll have to see if they decide to do something on that end for him. But if he's playing and he's looking good at 9,000, that's always uh, someone who can be kept in play. But again, we've just spoken about so many guards that are in that eight to nine K range that's, It's just hard to be able to say that, hey, Donovan Mitchell is going to be the guy that I really uh, see myself as having that kind of pure upside because Josh Hart could just as well drop the kind of points that we would uh, expect from that just given the fact that his usage is going to be where it is. So beyond that, uh, I am keeping an eye out on what uh, Conley and Bogdanovich end up doing because if that happens, then Jordan Clarkson just by default ends up being someone that shows up on a number of my lineups. He's had three great games now, so it's kind of hard to ignore what he has been doing, and his price tag is rising up as an as as a result of that but really if he's going to be shooting between 18 to 20 shots as he is at this moment i'm gonna i'm good sign me up he's gonna be that main usage guy for me outside of the uh, two major guys and that may be where i'm looking to get that little bit of exposure if i don't want to go all the way with mitchell
0: i'm pretty much just right there on gobert i think that anytime he's less than like 8200 i'm gonna have probably be on the over as far as shares of him this is like you said a fantastic matchup uh should be a very competitive game S is way too cheap if you're just looking for somebody he's cash worthy he's gpp worthy he always gives us a nice comfortable floor because there's rebounding and block upside uh sign me up he's gonna be the main guy of interest i'm not saying i don't like anybody else on here i think those guys you mentioned are in play but on a nine game slate in all honesty just probably don't see myself going to him too too much unless we see that Mitchell's ruled out, and I wouldn't even mind taking like a stab at Conley at 5,600, uh, knowing that he had that night off before, a little bit of a rest purposes. This feels like it's a fantastic matchup for him. Uh, just somebody, again, that I think will be extremely low-owned, uh, and I can see him putting up like 30 DK points in this one pretty comfortably. At 5,600, that's not a bad price tag. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm going to keep it pretty short and sweet over here. Uh, it's going to be the same three guys I've been looking at, and that's it. I don't touch anybody else. Kevin Durant is obviously in play at 10-7. I actually do like this matchup for Kevin Durant. When you're just talking about, you know, what's the one thing that Rudy Gobert can't defend against. It's a guy about pretty much the same height as him that can jump shoot uh, and shoot over him. Uh, so 10-7 is a great price tag for him, but I'm really looking at the backcourt with Seth Curry and Goran Dragic. Uh, Curry at 5,600, back-to-back 40 DK point games now. Starting to get in the rhythm. Uh, now, granted, those games were probably a bit of above-the-head shooting, uh, 64% against Portland, 71% against his former team in Philly before that, and the week in between, obviously, as well. Uh, but it's the usage that I'm intrigued with. And then Dragic, you know, anytime we see that Kyrie sitting out due to a home game, he's been playing 30-plus minutes. Uh, we're talking about three out of the past games, three out of the past four games, at least 36 minutes played. And in all those games, he's put up at least 25 DK points or more, two of which he had 30. That 5,300 absolutely in play as well. So I'll keep it short and sweet with just those three guys.
1: Yep. And I think that's, uh, it's pretty much the major areas. As you said, Seth Curry has just been on a tear as far as his usage is concerned. And anytime Kyrie's sitting out, that just adds that little bit more to him. Uh, beyond that, just, yeah, don't trust anyone outside of Kevin Durant. Drogic, you know, he'll get you the dimes and he's playing pretty consistently as well. But as you said, for me, he's more of a, uh, Cash play, per se, rather than someone I'd be looking to uh, jump in on GPP with. But, hey, the fact that he's got back-to-back 30 DK point games, can't argue too much with that.
0: Nope. And we will move on. Miami Heat traveling to Philly, taking on the Sixers. Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin are both questionable. Victor Oladipo is out. 76ers on the second half of the back-to-back, so there is no injury report for them. Uh, But they should be pretty much good to go unless there's something that comes out of uh, the game today. And then as far as a game total and all that, I do not believe we have it yet, probably because we're waiting on Jimmy. Uh, he's going to be the major player that obviously would impact this game, and I will pass
1: it over to you to talk about the Heat. Perfect. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, now I'm here. I'm here. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my, I'm definitely here as far as Miami's concerned, and Miami themselves are definitely here as far as a good matchup is is concerned as well. I expect this to be something that has a lot of raw emotion to go with it, as we know Jimmy has a lot of history when it comes to the uh the Philly side of things and how things didn't work out there. So I honestly expect him to get past that questionable tag and actually play this game. It's just a Jimmy kind of game to be able to go ahead and get himself involved in. But now, that being said, he's had two terrible shooting games up against the the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's left him with about 36 DK points, and he shot about 27%. I would expect that to get himself back on his regular track if he does end up playing. So that's something that's keeping there for me, because at 8,500, for a guy that has the kind of upside that Jimmy Butler does, he's one of the dudes at that small forward, power forward position for guard play. That's always one that I look at as far as uh, as far as his usage is concerned. Beyond that, if as when everyone is uh, there and healthy, the rest of these guys' upside just kind of takes a hit. So Kyle Lowry at 6,300, even though he's been you know, quite consistent as being able to get into that thirties when he is playing his normal, his normal slice of minutes, just not much upside when uh, everyone is sitting there. Tyler hero is very much in that same situation as well. I love taking him when, you know, when Jimmy Butler is out. So if he does happen to be out, maybe leave that little bit of buffer for yourself to be able to go ahead and get him in. But Really, by by and large, it's it's where I'm going to be sticking with. I don't necessarily love taking Bam Adebayo in this matchup. Again, against Embiid, he hasn't necessarily done well on the offensive end. That first game was also one example of that where they just had trouble in being able to go about in handling that. But we're going to have to see what Philadelphia ends up doing because Embiid was coming in questionable for this game against Toronto, but he ended up playing on that one. So we'll see if that maybe changes up things and perhaps they choose to not play him on the second half of the back-to-back. So a couple of things to keep track of here, but Jimmy Butler is going to be the major kind of story that I'm looking at for this game.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great price tag for Jimmy too, 8,500. I mean, we know his upside. We know what this guy can do. We know the grudge he has against Philly. Uh, There's... No reason why you should cross him out of your player pool. I don't think I'll end up landing on him all too much. I do have a little interest in Kyle Lowry simply because it's narrative. You know, dude played at Villanova, uh, grew up in Philadelphia. Anytime he travels to Philly, I always like, you know, I, I granted he's probably played, what, 80 career games there at this point. Uh, but I always like to look at it just because I'm a narrative guy, man. I gotta, I gotta keep a narrative involved sure. if I can. Uh, so at 6,300, it's a fair enough price tag. You know, this dude hasn't been able to hit water out of a boat outside of that last game against OKC. The usage has been pretty much non-existent for him. But if there's any time that you're going to take a few extra shot attempts, it's going to be in the city you grew up in. So that's kind of why I have a, a little bit of interest in there. Other than that, though, not much going on over there for me. And then on Philly, same thing can be said. I don't think I'm playing much over here as well, unless we see Dwell and ruled rolled out, in which case, you know, even then it's it was, it was always easy when he sat and you could be like, all right, now we load up on Andre Drummond. I don't feel the same way with DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan – uh, is worse at basketball than Andre Drummond. But when it's all said and done, I think that it would be a decent value play to look at, you know, 3300 near minimum salary. You can't go wrong there. But then that would really just want me to put some pressure on guys like James Harden and Tobias Harris at their price tags if he sits. Uh, both those guys would be too cheap if there is no Embiid on the floor. But if they're all healthy, I'll probably avoid this game as a whole.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Other than, you know, obviously looking at Matisse Tybalt, right? He seems to get to play <laughs> all those minutes when, uh, when it, either if Embiid is there or not there. I mean, even today against Against the Raptors, he's just put on a uh, absolute clinic as far as stocks is concerned. Seven stocks, can you believe that? Three steals, four blocks. But yeah, just by and large, as you said, uh, there's just so many options on this slate in general. Philly on a back-to-back is always a bit iffy just because they're clearly focused on uh, ensuring that they're just healthy as far as the uh, playoffs are concerned. So I'm actually like, I'm worried that if I take either an Embiid or Harden on this one, I'm going to get rugged right at the end where they decide to go about and rest them. And the fact that this game is not Right at the beginning, that kind of throws a little bit of my lineup, uh, lineup construction into disarray if that does end up happening. So I'm kind of taking it on the chin, by and large, with that. And, uh, yeah, I'll just – honestly, I'm going to be avoiding Philly outside of, no joke, DeStyle. That's your guy, man. That
0: is my <laughs> that guy. Is, I, that, that, that is, never, is your it's, guy.
1: It's going to be my guy until the end of time, yep.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on. Toronto Raptors. Traveling to Chicago, Toronto, as we were just talking. Second half of a back-to-back for them. Uh, but for the Bulls, Lonzo Ball remains out. And Patrick Williams has a chance to return. From everything that we're hearing, it sounds like he will be back in the lineup uh, for this Monday game. 220, 225.5 game total. Chicago being favored by 4.5. Uh, I imagine Fred VanVleet is able to suit up. They've pretty much been sitting him on either the front half or the back half of a back-to-back uh, for the past like two weeks now. So I'm expecting him to be available, but why don't you talk about this Toronto team?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you you say you loved your narratives. Remember, Fred's going back to essentially his hometown. He always says he's from Rockford instead of Chicago, but Chicago is always a homecoming for him as well, and at 7,900, I expect that he'll do anything to be able to go and get on the floor here at the spot where he grew up and watch basketball, so excited uh, to be able to see that. He's definitely like absolutely just bold on my player pool he's probably my favorite uh, mid-tier guy spoiler alert but just by and large i think there's a lot to like as far as this uh this matchup is concerned i do expect this to be a very competitive one all the way through chicago at home has always been exactly that and the fact that you have DeRozan on the other end as well it just adds so much flavor to all of it so i expect that the starters do get heavy run in this one and just by extension of that you know exactly where uh, the usage is going to go as well I mean, outside of that it's really just been precious achua that i've been really loading up on pretty consistently for the last couple of weeks now since i've called the fact that he is getting far more comfortable with the rotations getting far more comfortable with his you know defensive positions all of that to be able to keep him on the floor longer that price tag has always been in play uh boucher is just one in general that i plain and simple avoid he's just way too hit and miss and i expect that with the the chicago having a little bit more of a beefy front court uh, in vucevic who has historically just killed Boucher I expect him to get less minutes in this game and in, in favor of a, a precious Achua and maybe even a Kem Burt sighting so if you're looking for an area of value to be able to look into that's where I'd see it other than that though it's going to be a Van Dleet and uh, you know a little shout out always to Gary Trent because he's Gary Trent.
0: Uh, dude you gotta get you gotta ride your guys man I mean you gotta, <laughs> gotta get you know he's a big fan of the pod too so you know he's listening uh, I'm right there with you though. I, I, anytime I've been playing Van Vliet under that AK mark as much and as often as I possibly can. And listen, uh, it hasn't been working out for me as of recently, but you, you said it, man. I'm a narrative guy. Uh, you give me the fact that there's a narrative, coupled with the fact, I think he's averaging like 46.5 DK points against his team this season already. So, sign me up, man. I am, I'm good to go. Uh, I'm all over Van Vliet. Also, the shooting guard eligibility is a huge factor, but, when it comes down to it, who do you see yourself having more shares of? And you could say, Are these the easy answer is I'm going to have both. Hart or Van Blee?
1: <laughs> so funny enough, I would have said both and more, but gun to my head, I'd probably look for Josh Hart, no lie, between the two. I think he's just in a position where he's the only uh, offensive option with any sort of you know, consistency behind him on a team that needs that so badly. It's going to be a closer matchup for once in a Portland game, so I expect Josh Hart is going to have – all out usage while Portland doesn't care what happens, while Toronto's actually looking to win, so and that's a little different.
0: I like it, my man. I like it. All right, we'll move on to the Chicago side of the ball, and this is where I get my biggest, uh, my biggest uh, like ulcer, I guess you could say, of the night because Vooch is way too cheap, man. At 7,800, he's the same exact price as Gobert. and it's gonna force me to make some decisions, uh, because I absolutely want to have some Vooch at that price tag 7,800. Far too cheap, coming off of two down games. Granted, both those games were pretty much blowouts uh, where he's only played 26 and 29 minutes. When this guy gets 30 minutes or more, he's going to probably routinely put up 40 DK points more often than not. You said it. He kind of owns Toronto in three games a season. He's averaging almost 50 DK points against them in only 35 minutes. Yeah, I think Vuce is going to be my top play over here. He's probably one of the only guys I'm looking at. I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go look at a Levine or DeRozan. Uh, but I try to pinpoint these matchups and when you know, try to find which guy of those three I'm going to have the most shares of. And it's just going to be Vooch based on the price tag of where he's at right now.
1: Fair enough. And, you know, Vooch is 100% in play. I thought I was going to go the, the other way and be like, Levine is the guy from a price tag perspective that I've been looking at. In general, between the three, it's the guy I end up looking at most. But just the fact that, you know, much like when we talk about when Minnesota plays and we talk about who's got the upside between Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, that's pretty much been the same thing for me with Levine and, either of DeRozan or Vucevic. He just has that GPP flair that I'd like to be able to go ahead and drop a 50. And against Toronto, he has done that in the past. Not uh, not so far this year, but still 40 DK points over the three games. It just gives him just, he, he likes the matchup. And he's consistently been one of the few guards that's actually been able to have the wood on Toronto. So uh, it's going to be where I end up looking. And Vuce is 100% in play between Gobert and him. I'll probably lean towards Gobert, personally speaking. But Vooch is definitely the more offensively talented player. So if it's not a big board game for, uh, for Gobert, Vuce will probably end up outscoring him. But uh, just leaning a little bit more towards Gobert at this moment.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if I come to my head, um, uh, if I had to pick between them, I'd probably lean more Gobert as well. Uh, just simply because I like that matchup. Uh, that's just a way, way better matchup. But they're both just too cheap. The algorithm's a little messed up over here for DK. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. We're into the 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time slot uh, again, I should say, uh, with Washington traveling to Houston, taking on the Rockets. Rockets, no injury report for them. Uh, and then for the Wizards, Bradley Beal remains out. Vernon Carey is out. Kyle Kuzma is questionable. Set out that last one. So, got to keep an eye on that. Obviously, that would have a little bit of an impact on this rotation. 234.5 game total. Wizards favored by 4.5. This is probably going to be the most fantasy-friendly game of the night. Start off at Washington.
1: Yeah, and we're going to have to see what uh, the Kuzma situation is, because as far as the coach was concerned, he did say that he expects Kuzma to go play on this Monday. But, of course, as we've known up until now in the NBA season, until the guy is actually out there on the floor, can only take anything that's said with a grain of salt with regards to any of these coaches but beyond that uh, i do like a number of these prices as far as washington's concerned and we have kuzma himself but more so than that i just like porzingis at his price tag anytime he's under 8k as well it's very much that same situation as uh for me lamello under 9k or carl anthony towns under 10k is just one of those where he's got way too much upside and frankly way too much offensive talent to really not Absolutely kill this matchup, and especially a Houston team that just cannot defend anything. As far as uh, opposition rank is concerned, they're 30th defending the, defending bigs, power forward centers. It's just not a situation in which Houston wants to find themselves in. Especially the fact that Porzingis is so adept at being able to pull someone like a Christian Wood or a Sangoon outside and force him to defend them at the three point line, which is changes everything up and opens up those lanes because Porzingis has the capability to beat you off the dribble as well. So there's just a lot to like as far as that is concerned for Washington. And then beyond that, it's is I've kind of been in and out on what I end up thinking about, uh, about Daniel Gafford. It's more of a price tag thing and, this was probably a bit of a fluke but i took him in that lakers game just because i had had a feeling that the lakers front court wouldn't be able to handle him and well he dropped 29 for his uh for his 22 minutes that he did end up playing so it's just one of those where if this game so if this game's high and it happens to get out of hand then gafford could probably end up playing that a little bit more but in general at that price tag and the fact that uh, the front court of houston is just terrible as far as defense is concerned i just feel like there's so many opportunities for them to just get eaten up on the inside that both uh, Przingis and Gafford are where I'm really looking as far as they're concerned.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much right in line with me. If Kuzma plays, you know, 8K in this matchup, he obviously has the upside. If he sits, I'll be looking at Denny, Uh, but that's, I'm pretty much right on brand with you. So I'm not even really add much, uh, pretty much it for me. And then on the Washington side of things, I think this is obviously just as good of a matchup for them as it is, uh, for everybody over there. Um, I mean, on the Houston side of things, you know what I'm trying to say here, guys. You know. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. at 6,400 is probably my top play over here. Uh, I absolutely love him in this matchup. Played him a little bit earlier in the year. Ended up dropping about 37 DK points, and he did so uh, in 35 minutes and only on three of 13 shootings. So he's got the upside to just stuff the stat sheets, rebounds, assists. 6,400 just feels a little too cheap for him. Uh, games have been up and down all season long, but it just when push comes to shove, Trying to target him in the good matchups is the only way that I can really feel consistent about playing him. So, this is one of those good matchups at 6,400. Absolutely have some interest in him. I know you're going to talk about Jalen Green, so I will save that for you. Uh, there's no reason for me to just, you know, steal your Jalen Green thunder. I'll let you have that one. Uh, and then I think the only other guy really worth mentioning would be Christian Wood, who, uh, coming off of a monster game against Indiana where he put up 32-13 at 7. Uh, I'm not going to really go chasing. We talked about how many bigs at eight, uh, in that 7,800 range. I prefer Vooch over him, uh, and I prefer Gobert over him as well. So I'll probably end up crossing him off when it's all said and done. And it'll most likely just be a little bit of Kevin Porter Jr. and then Jalen Green. And I'll pivot off of him here and there, but let's we'll talk about Jalen Green.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, he hurt me tonight. It's like one of those where I was so, you know, like it's going to be Memphis without John Morant, and they're going to have a great opportunity to be able to put up a high stat game, and then they went up and dropped 98 altogether. and Jalen himself did nothing, but hey, if if anything, that just strengthens the resolve of being able to take him once again on the next night with people probably running away from it, just looking at the box score itself, because it just comes down to the same thing. For me, it's all about a combination of opportunity, minutes, and upside that he ends up offering. And for a guy that's started the season as terribly as he did, the way he's turned it around over the last month, and the consistency that he's given, the fact that he's at that 6000 price range and frankly doesn't have a game where he ends up below like 25 for pretty much the entire month and gives you that consistent upside to be able to get into that thirties, forties. It's just, it's, it's kind of like the perfect storm for me as far as a, uh, a DraftKings player that I'm looking at. So until, until he gets to that 7,000 mark, he's very much in that same, like Gary Trent range for me where it's like, I believe in the fundamentals. I believe in the usage. I believe in the minutes and you know, you'll have the off nights here and there, but if I can stick with it, it'll work out for me more often than not. And it has, so I'm sticking with the Jalen Green, and I'm right there with you on the uh, on the other options as well. Though I probably like Sangoon more than I like Wood, just in general, and just the fact that uh, he's probably going to be a little bit more equipped to be able to stay up with uh, with the, with the Porzingis, just being that little bit more mobile rather than Christian Wood, who's a terrible defender, plain, plain and simple. But he's also just a bit more stiff on the defensive end as well. So that may be uh, where I get pushed over there. But in general, Houston, that like mid range area has been my kind of go-to bread and butter and i've avoided schroeder he did well today but by and large he's been against what i believe in for what houston should be so i've not been taking him but i wouldn't fault you for taking him at his price tag either
0: all right two games left boston south the extra traveling to okc to take on the thunder the thunder are on the second half of the back to back um as we saw Shea gilgis Alexander sat out uh and decided to give me and lose all hopes in my fantasy lineup, which I did not appreciate. Uh ruined my, my playoffs, man. You know, gotta be uh something so selfish over there. Uh but this game looks like it is coming in and at a don't have a oh there we are. Two sixteen and a half game total. Celtics favored by thirteen and a half points. Like I said, no injury reports for either team. And I will keep it short and sweet here, my friend. I'm not looking at anybody on either side of the ball here. So I will let you start, and you can finish with uh, both teams if you'd like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at Boston, fair enough, I wasn't going to be taking anyone over here. On the OKC side, with uh, with me basically imagining that Shea is probably not playing for this Monday game. But again, we'll kind of find out how things go. But I think even now, like as much as Shea has been kind of fighting through everything to keep playing, I think at this point we're getting to a uh, period for OKC where they're okay to not uh, not playing nearly as much, which brings in Trey Mann into play for me as well as Pokuszewski. Both of those are pretty much the only spot I'm looking at. And uh, Roby finally got his uh, his starting position back, and of course dropped in uh, 11 and 10 double double there. So that, of course, just makes it more of a headache to be able to think about as to what they're going to be as they're, what they're going to end up doing as far as their rotation is concerned. But really, between those three is where I've been uh, looking at most of my usage. A uh, Trey Mann is where usually end up with just purely because of his shot attempts this dude has the greenest of green lights and he just absolutely does not care what he does even today against orlando he went up and chucked 11 threes 19 total shots and just from that volume is able to hit his hit his uh, salary pretty consistently from there. So as long as we find out that Shea is not going to be sitting, I am going to have uh, interest in Trey Mann and uh, and a little bit of uh, Pokerchevsky as well, who himself also had just an absolute god awful shooting night for the ages, shooting 3 of 20, but was still able to get 29 DK points. So just know that they're going to keep chucking, they're going to keep missing, but they'll get their opportunities and their price tags allow for you to have that buffer.
0: All right, final game of the night. Minnesota Timberwolves traveling to Dallas, taking on the Mavericks. Mavericks, Tim Hardaway Jr., Theo Pinson remain out. And then for the Timberwolves, Jaden McDaniels, he's ruled out. We have Nazarene Probable. Carl Anthony Towns is questionable. Uh, He injured his ankle uh, Monday when he scored, I think it was, a boatload of points. What was it, 60? 60. Uh, yeah, that's the same, man. There's so many high scoring, so many <laughs> high scoring games lately. I love it. Uh, so I'm expecting him to play, but keep your eye on it because obviously if he sits, that'll have a big impact on this entire slate, let alone this game. I will pass it over to you. Talk about the Timberwolves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And hey, Cat is over that magical uh, 10K number, so I can, uh, kind of convince myself that it's okay for me not to take cat today. And of course that's going to mean that he is going to drop another 60. So take that with a grain of salt. But in general, I just think the price tags for these guys are relatively appropriate for where they should be again, that uh, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards situation continues to be a thing to look at. And this game is at a very significant game total over here. So it's something to think about from where you're actually looking at here because For once, I may actually look potentially at uh, at Anthony Edwards over D'Angelo Russell, just one, given the fact that he, uh, last year, I believe Anthony Edwards had like a 40-something point game against uh, Dallas as well. I'll have to go back and look at the exact box score. But he's had good games against Dallas. And again, with these price tags at where they are, honestly, you can't go wrong with either either or of the two. Uh, Just with all the guard opportunities that we've had, I probably would be looking more at like, as you said, Josh Hart at Fred Van Vliet. there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking at either of uh, Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell in this matchup, and there's just something about kicking that guy in that late night game, having him at the end there, and the fact that uh, Anthony Edwards has that small forward eligibility might push that just a little bit more in his direction. If, uh, in my opinion, if for me uh, Jimmy Butler ends up getting ruled out, then all of a sudden I'm thinking of maybe pivoting a little bit more towards uh, towards the Anthony Edwards side of things, but we'll see how that ends up playing out.
0: Ant-Man is my number one play over there. If we see the Towns sits, you could look at Nas Reed, Jared Vanderbilt. Both those guys obviously get a big bump. I'd probably end up leading more Reed than I would Vanderbilt just because the discount of $800. Uh, they both have the same eligibility at power forward and center. But Nas Reed would probably come in to play as one of the best value plays. If we see that Towns needs this night off on the Dallas side of things, it's tough, man. I'm, I'm really not interested in anybody. Uh, Donchick at 12K. You know, listen, it's Luka. You never, you'll never hear me say a bad thing about the dude. Uh, does he warrant the price tag? Absolutely. But I think there's a few other guys that we've talked about I prefer LeBron over him going back to Cleveland. I think Durant even at his price tag. Uh, but there's also just so much good value in the mid tier around that seven to eight K range that, um, you know, I don't think I need to go to Luka on this slate. So, Now that I said that, we'll be looking at a nice 65 to 70 DK point game from him. So, again, if you were on him before, don't let me sway your opinion on this. I just don't see myself having too many shares of him. And in all honesty, as much as I like to get some some firepower in the late game hammer, I just don't think I'm going much of anywhere here. Now it looks like Bullock will finally be back in this one. Um, With that being said, keep your eye on it. He wasn't listed on the injury report last time, and uh, that ruined my stream, uh, picking him up. Again, being selfish here, talking about my, my... my yeah, season long league, uh, that I've been getting burned on. But, and if he sits, I think that gives obviously a big bump to guys like Brunson and Dinwiddie to the point where we can actually consider them. Um, I think they're both in play as of right now. I think if I had to lean one more than the other, I'd probably lean, I'd probably lean more Dinwiddie in this type of matchup. Granted, Brunson's averaging 40 DK points against this team. Um, that was also without pretty much Dinwiddie being in that, those games as well. So we don't really know what these two guys are going to look like next to each other in the start of matchup. Uh, But I like I said, I I still think I lean more Dinwiddie, but I don't think anybody's a must play or pop it off the page for me necessarily. I always like target centers going against Colin Anthony towns, but I don't target Dwight Powell pretty much ever, but you talk about this Mavs team and what you're looking at.
1: Yeah, I think you're pretty much at the nail on the head. It's, it's really on if you're wanting to take Luca, that's what it comes down to. We spoke about uh, LeBron earlier as well. And, Honestly, the way my lineups are looking like at the moment, I may actually end up not taking any of these 10K studs and be fitting so many of these 8,000 and 7,000 guys that are really fitting in quite well for me. So with that in mind, between Brunson and Dinwiddie is probably where I may end up having a little bit of exposure just to be able to get that night game in. But as I said, by and large, I think there's so much upside that we've spoken about up until now that if I have a couple of guys on the Minnesota side, I think that's that's good enough for me. And uh, we'll see what Dallas can do just to hopefully hit them by committee and uh, keep this game competitive without anyone specifically going off. All right, my friend player tier segment, give me your top tier stud. And there's uh, these top tier studs is, is where I'm looking at. As I said, looking at that price tag to performance ratio and Josh Hart just ends up working out for me. 8,000 is right at that mark, right? Where you're considered a stud, if I'm not mistaken.
0: No, you you are correct.
1: There you go. So right right at 8,000 with the kind of usage, upside, minutes, and variety – sorry – versatility as far as his entire stat line is concerned just puts him in a great position for me. I know there's so many studs that have 5X capability over here, but I believe Josh Hart in the matchup that he is in has that capability to be that six to seven X guy and to have that in a stud category just puts him in a unique position for me. He's my guy.
0: I like it. I will go with Mr. LeBron James then because I I'm kind of right there with you, man. If I I gotta I gotta still tinker with the lineups a little bit and see if I even land on LeBron uh if I were to spend over ten K he'd be the guy I'm doing it with. But pretty much after heart, I mean, we talked about a few of these other guys at A K range. Like I don't I'm not playing Mitchell really. I'm not playing Westbrook. I'm not playing Siak Ball. Um I just like so many other guys in that, like you said, seven to eight K range where this might be just one of those mid tier nights where we just hammer the mid tier. We talked about a few value plays. We'll get to that segment in a little, but it hasn't been anything like tremendous uh to warrant, you know, going and spending up on a lot of these other guys as well. I'm sure some will open up and you know, things may change, but as of right now, uh, I think probably gonna hit this mid-tier range pretty hard, but I do like LeBron a lot, and if I am paying over that 10k mark, it's gonna be on him. Going back to Cleveland. And then now to your mid-tier range, which,
1: I mean, we probably <laughs> both have about nine guys circled here, uh, I will let you start. Yeah, fair enough, and so, dude, that's 7,000 range is just so many guys that are of interest but I'm, I think I'm just going to have to stick with Fred Van Vliet over here. 7,900, just right below that Josh Hart tier. I get to cheat and have them both be in that uh little mid-tier stud range for me. And as you said, there's just so many narratives that go with this. He's been great against Chicago in general, and in a matchup that I expect to be super close all the way through uh, Toronto doing everything they can to kind of make their positioning as good as they can. Fred Van Vliet coming back off a rest night. It's just everything's in place for him to have another massive night here in Chicago.
0: All right. I, man, this is a tough one for me because I, I feel like I just want to say, uh, you know, go bear. You know, 7,800. I love, we've talked about him a ton. So I'm going to go back to another route though. Uh, we talked about a few of those guys. You know, we got to try to get a little bit of value if we can somewhere. I think Kevin Porter Jr. at 6,400. Um, I absolutely love that spot. I love this matchup. I like that price tag. It was a tough call, but I'll probably end up leaning Kevin Porter Jr. But when it's all said and done, man, I'm going to, I'm probably going to having more shares at go But I talked enough about him, and I want to put some light somewhere else. Uh, And then we will go to the value range, which, like we said, there hasn't been a whole lot of it. But give me your play.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And I I honestly, there's, like, very few guys that have actually even had half interest in, and really it's going to end up being between – gafford or Tybull. no joke if i'm thinking about a value pick that i'm looking at here Um, i just said gafford is in a in a position in a matchup where he's got a front court that he can absolutely bully Uh, if the game gets out of hand that just adds to his capability to hopefully be able to play just those few more minutes that he needs and at 4100 it's just a good spot for him to be able to hit his value and the Tybull is just a defensive stud as long as he's getting 30 minutes 3700 i'm always okay to take him he just rounds out so many of my lineups I know that's not for everyone, but that's that's where I feel.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think Nas Reed, if, if Carl Anthony Town sits, is just the easy value play that we can all get shares of. But we're not going to know that. It's the last game, so unless we get the news, we're going to have to look elsewhere. Uh, I'll rock with Chris Dunn at 3,800, and I'm going to give a caveat play to him as well, just because it is a back-to-back. We don't know necessarily what's going on. Uh But as long as he's playing the mid-20s to, you know, 28, he's playing anywhere twenty twenty four 24 to 28, feels like, on most nights since he's been back. I uh, will rock with that. And one guy that we really didn't talk about earlier, which, shame on us, um, is Willie Hernan Gomez, I think at yes. 4,500, going against Charlotte. Uh, he's somebody that kind of just pops off the page. You know, if anything happens with Jonas as far as foul trouble or if this game gets out of hand, he's usually good for at least 20 to 25 minutes. Uh But even in like 18 minutes, he can easily get you 30. Uh So I do think that he's somebody that I wanted to mention, too. So it's another center if you're looking to spend down on it. Maybe, uh you know, if you don't want to spend up on Fooch, Gobert. You know, we talked about Gafford. There's a lot of centers on this slate, but he's somebody I think that's worth mentioning as well. So, two caveat plays: Chris Dunn, Hernan Gomez. Just keep your eye on that Chris Dunn There's a being a back to back. And now we will slide over to Thrive Fantasy Man. Give me your favorite Thrive pick of the night.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking through this earlier, and there's this, you know a couple of guys that do end up popping off to me i do like that we have a couple of hundred options that feel quite nice to me but again i I just get to stay on brand it's nice for me josh hart 24 and a half points and rebounds to be able to get over for 100 points that is excellent that's that's probably like an easy lock for me he'll probably get that just in points itself so that's uh that's the major one that i'm really looking at for him
0: yeah i knew that was coming man i think we all we all knew that was coming (laughs) which i can't fault you uh all right, I'll probably stay on brand then as well. And it's only going to be for ninety-five points, but one and a half blocks plus steals for Rudy Gobert, that feels like a lock as well. Uh just talking about one of the best offensive stat stuffers in the league and it's only a set at one and a half going against a Brooklyn team who tends to play a little bit of a faster pace than Utah's used to. Should leave the opportunity and the door open to get that pretty easily. So I will lock that one in and feel good about it pretty comfortably um i I was thinking i was looking at a lot of these unders but it's always just more fun taking overs than it is unders um you know you always anytime you take an under you bite your teeth if it doesn't hit because you're like well i you know i should have known that but a couple of these unders had me had me intrigued but we'll go with the we'll go with the sure things for this one and that brings us home my friend that is everything nice 55 minute long podcast so thank you guys as always for listening you can follow us on twitter at Mike Patria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. You give us a thumbs up, five-star rate and review, wherever you might be listening to this, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, you name it, it is everywhere. We do appreciate it. We see a couple more trickling in. And now I will get it out on every single show from here until next Friday. Uh This coming Friday... We will be doing a DFS Today DraftKings contest. I uh, kind of had things jumbled up a little bit. We tried to put one together, and it didn't end up filling uh, March Madness uh, podcast, having issues getting published, and a lot of other things may have played a factor into it. But it will be a 20-person contest on DraftKings, first come, first serve. So we will post that link. It will only be able to get posted, obviously, by Thursday night. I will be hosting the contest. It will be $5 entry fee, single-entry kind of contest and then the way it will work is top three will win the money. But the winner will also be able to join me on a Saturday show and kind of jump on the air, get to know you a little bit, talk about what went into your lineup and why you did that and who you played and, you know, what your thought process was beyond that. will not be for an entire show, but we'll give you a nice little segment to jump on. So uh we're really looking forward to kind of doing something like that. So, Harris, you better be in there. We're going to have a lot of our pros in there as well. I'm sure Harris will be. I will be. Uh, a lot of listeners i know that we'll probably have a couple other people voices that you're used to hearing being there as well and we're not going to make it easy so listen it's not going to be the highest listener uh gets to jump on the air no you have to win uh it's that simple uh and you best believe i like my saturday shows i get to do them nice and early and have my coffee uh so i'm going to make it hard for you to jump on the air with me but it, it, it'll be it'll be, fun. it'll be fun regardless but uh harris is there anything else you'd like to say before we get on out of here
1: Oh, that sounds super exciting to me. I'm sure the listeners would also just love to have that other view. And I'm going to go ahead and challenge that it may actually be the highest listener to get on there because, well, if it means we're doing our job, that means that the one who are listening the most are the ones who are most successful. So let's see if we can earn those five stars from you because I'm sure we have been.
0: Absolutely, man. I hope hope we have. It's it's fun. It's been – season's winding down, man, and uh, we've had a lot of of good things that happened this far. I know that a couple of us have – I've won some decent amount of money, and it's definitely been a profitable season for me. And hopefully it's been for you guys too. So we'll leave on that note. Thank you guys for listening. It will be Santino and DJ Sammy Caps breaking down that Tuesday slate for you guys. As always, take care, and let's go win some tournaments.